0: And let's see, that was, okay, here's, the fifth one is interesting, and you hadn't heard of this one before, had you? No,
1: I never even knew that was an issue. I've just never, I'd never thought of that, never read anything on that. I didn't know that was an issue.
0: Now, this is where, when you ask how much a gallon of diesel fuel weighs, uh, I believe the answer was 6.92 pounds for an American gallon at 76 degrees at ambient um, atmospheric pressure. hmm which, in other words, there, it's a rather vague number because it it, uh, it it depends. Yeah. And the depend is what is the temperature of the fuel. So you go to Gary, Indiana, how close is that refinery to all of the truck stops? Just a few miles. And they burn a huge or they pump a huge amount of fuel out of Gary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you fill your tanks there and you feel them and they're hot. And OOIDA got on this and started – because the distributors buy the fuel with a temperature-adjusted price at 60 degrees.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And OOIDA is found it as high as 114 degrees. And I did the math on their expansion and economy. There's about a 3% difference in the economy you're going to get out of a gallon wow. of 114-degree fuel to a gallon of 60-degree fuel.
1: That's a big difference over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, 3%. If you can get a 3% boost on your mileage over a year, that's pretty good. The funny thing is within almost every fuel pump in the country is a switch, essentially. Almost every fuel pump is made to sell fuel temperature compensated. There's Mm -hmm. no law requiring a distributor to do so, Uh, Pilot, Flying J, whoever. they, They all do it. So nobody does. They all Mm. sell it at whatever temperature it is in the ground. So it's rarely are you buying 60-degree fuel when you are at some little mom-and-pop station that just doesn't sell much fuel. Yeah. And their price is too high. But that is interesting. There's a link in the show notes to the OOIDA story who spent a lot of money trying to get that law changed. And it uh, fell on deaf ears because NATSO, National Association of Truck Stop Owners, has more lobbying money than OOIDA is probably the direct answer to that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well and the more fuels getting burned i mean you're buying more so it puts more tax money in the politicians' pocket so
0: <laughs> that's ex- you know i was reading on that um, now i'm type 2 diabetic and i've had a point in my life where it's getting harder to control and you've you've gained and lost a few pounds in your life right
2: mm mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: so you know that feeling of achievement you get when you hit you know a low goal and you're there and you've worked hard for it and you're proud of yourself for it That was me at 194, and now I'm down almost 180, and I need to get into the 170s. I'm pissed, and I'm not pissed because I haven't done it. I'm pissed because I have to do it. I haven't waited. (laughs) I haven't been in the 170s since I was in my early 20s, and it irritates me that I have to do this. It's not something I want to do. It's not something I desire to do. It's something my health requires me to do, and it just pisses me off (laughs) that I need to go another five pounds lighter than, you know? Why?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I hope I never have to get that low. (laughs) I might be in trouble.
0: (laughs) Let's shoot into, I saw this on your website.
1: Oh, the rogue food conference.
0: What is a rogue food conference?
1: Well, a friend of mine put that on, uh, uh, John Moody and, uh, and Joel Salatin, uh, put this conference on, uh, down at the Cincinnati airport, the Marriott. And it happened last weekend. And, uh, I didn't get a chance to go, but it looked like quite the event. I caught a lot of the videos from it and stuff. And, and, and what it is, is there is just, uh, government has uh, really done a lot to hurt the, uh, the, the small farmers, the homesteaders, the, the folks who are trying to make a living on a small scale. Um, and if you're not one of the, the, the big giants, all the laws are really against you. Um, those laws apply to them too but it's, they're made for them to meet those laws, and it's not made for the small person to financially or, or just realistically be able to meet some of those standards. And, um, and, and, and the, the real issue is that the problems never come from those people. The problems come from the big, the, the big ones. So Rogue Food is, is basically they set up, they, they talk about the problems, and then they talk about ways to get around those government regulations, not to just break them, not just flat-out break them, but loopholes, so to speak, to where they can actually do things to get around those laws legally, and uh, the whole conference is built around how to do that. You know, it, it was it's pretty entertaining to, to to think that you can have a conference that tells how to get around all the laws. <laughs> but that's what it was, and it was it had a really they had a really good turnout. Matter of fact, they sold out wow. because there's so many farmers that are just, um, you know, they're they're hurting because of these rules and regulations that's keeping them from being able to make any money. And And it's all
0: politics.
1: It's all politics. Yeah. And so they're talking about, like, for example, one lady started a food church because she couldn't sell her food a certain way. So now you just join her church. You give donations to the church and then she gives you food (laughs) because you're one of the people who follow her church. (laughs) You know, just just things like that. I mean, it was just crazy how, how some of the things they used to get around it.
0: I remember, I think it was Spierko talking about it, trying to sell eggs, and, and they passed a law where you couldn't sell the eggs, mm. so he'd give the eggs away, but it's $7 for the carton to carry them home. <laughs> there you and, go. And, you know, the kind of person who is going to buy the $7 dozen, I think they were duck eggs or something. Duck
1: eggs, yeah. Yeah,
0: the kind of person who's going to buy those eggs is not going to try and cheap you, so they'll gladly pay $7 for the carton to carry their free eggs home
1: in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's it's sad that that has to happen, you know, but quite honestly, some of these government regulations have just gotten ridiculous. I mean, there are so many laws that nobody even knows all the laws there are. I mean, the people who enforce the laws don't even know how many laws there are to keep track of I mean, in some cases, you know. It's just crazy.
0: You, you know, we talked about it on the podcast, oh gosh, probably a year or so ago, back in, I believe it was 2015, the government— our our House and our Senate and our president signed it, and it was a law for companies like um Factory Five, uh, Myers, Manx, Checker. Somebody bought all of the rights to Checker Cab Company. Mm-hmm. And they can produce a limited amount. I think it's 325 turnkey new vehicles a year as long as they have today's modern drivetrain in them and meet modern-day emissions. Mm -hmm. That law was passed in 2015, but when the Senate and the Congress and the president all sign and pass a law, they just wrote a big concept, and now it goes to the deep state who has to actually write the law. (laughs) Four years later, it hasn't been written yet, and they finally got it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and Suma SEMA... Sued them and actually won their case. Well, maybe now we'll get to it because we're still the deep state. And just because we were sued and lost doesn't mean we're going to do it anytime soon.
1: Yeah, they still bury it in paperwork and legislation and everything else, I'm oh, sure, man. if they want to. It, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, really, the government has just gotten so big and it's just, it's just, such, it's such a big animal that it, it's hard to take it down in any way, shape, or form. And not, not that you want to take your government down, but it's just, you know it, it's just gotten to where it's beyond doing good at this point you know it's it's just out of control
0: you, you know insulin for years a, a diabetic would, would be paying if he didn't have insurance maybe a hundred dollars a month for insulin um it has gone nuts over the last oh yeah several years because everybody keeps coming out with a new designer insulin that's four or 700 dollars a month.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: the old, um, actually, human insulin, because it, I think it's biologically made out of human whatever, that has worked for decades. Mm-hmm. You can buy it over the counter at Walmart for 25 bucks a vial. You don't <laughs> even need a prescription. Wow. And, and it's like, holy, I, I guess they sell like 18,000 vials a week of that stuff. It's just this huge number. I've been doing my homework on it just uh, you know what's my next step as I try and control my diabetes
1: it floors me really on the the idea that people see everybody knows there's problems I mean everybody knows there's problems with government regulation and all the things but most people think that the way out of that is more government more government regulations more laws more you know more interference from the government it's like uh, so you're going to cure the problem of of poor government you know with more government (laughs)
0: Oh, it my just, gosh. floors me. Isn't that the absolute truth? It's just crazy.
1: Yeah, it is. But, you know, I mean, all you can do is, you know, you, you vote and you, you work and, and then you go to rogue food conferences and figure out a way to get around everything. <laughs> you,
0: you figure out a way to get around it with your life and your situation mm-hmm. and help help the people you love and the people around you. And mm-hmm. the people you care about, which, you know, the people in your community that reach out, I, I mean, or that need somebody to reach out to them. Yeah. You know, we've got a neighbor a little down on their luck and a car that's not running. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a car that's not running in front of your home. It's another thing to have a car that's not running with a flat tire in front of your home. So, you know, every couple, three weeks, I take my air tank over there and just air it up. And
1: and, yeah, because uh, if it sits there too long, the government will tow it away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, that that's it. And it's like, you know what? There might be a time I'm pulling the engine out of a car in my garage, and in my homeowner's rules, I'm not allowed to do that. So <laughs> I'm not going to give them any gas. Just do what you got to do and yeah, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. get through it. We've all been there.
1: It's just some of the, you know, there's just so many things that are ridiculous. I mean, like if restaurants, they throw so much food out. I mean, my wife works for a school corporation and they throw out so much food. I mean, they fill the dumpster with food and then you know what, by law, they have to do when they throw it out, they have to go out there and pour bleach on it. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking... Feed it to some pigs, you know, or something. If you can't give it to people, feed it to pigs and turn it into more meat. Feed I, to the I just it, or something, it makes yeah. it makes no sense to me, you know. But that's the world we live in. You know. Every now and
0: then, I'd get down. I think that was in Arkansas, Missouri. Excuse me, it was in Missouri, and it was a uh, it was a low end dog food brand that uh, we would actually we'd haul it back to Menards in Eau Claire, and. You'd go, of course, to the one side of the building to load your 48,000 pounds of dog food because there was another place where they'd load you right to the max, weigh you out, and, oh, you'll burn that off before you get to the scale and that kind of crap. But mm-hmm. uh, every time you drive by the back of the building getting to the loading docks and there's six uh, Keebler cookie trailers in there, <laughs> <laughs> it's like all oh, oh, those big – yeah, the dogs are eating pretty good. They're getting Keebler cookie leftovers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody's going to pour bleach on that. <laughs> oh,
0: man, yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, uh, you can just come up with a gazillion examples. I delivered to a, I can't remember if it was a fleet and farm or farm and fleet. Uh, we didn't have those out on the West Coast, but most For, of them. Farm, farm
1: and the fleet around here, yeah, that's farm and fleet.
0: Yeah, and the guy literally had this. Um, and it was not too long after Christmas. This batch of toys, and you know, like big Tonka trucks and things, and they are literally beating these things with hammers, destroying them. Well, why don't you just give them to? Well, we can't do that because of the liability. If someone hurt themselves, we get sued.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's again <laughs> government problem. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's it just wow. is, it's crazy. That's that's that is a government out of control that needs to be tamed.
1: Isn't it sad that we have to have conferences about how to get around these things and circumvent the government?
0: (laughs) It is. And then there's some granola eating dumbass that'll go to the concert and write it all down and take it to some politician.
1: (laughs) Yep. Where nothing will happen.
0: Let's move on. Um, This, we saw the electric Tesla truck coming out, right?
1: (sighs) Oh yeah, it hurt my eyes a little bit when oh, we saw it. <laughs> what a what a
0: butt ugly!
1: <laughs> I thought so. Some people think, think thought it was pretty nice. I I didn't like the style at all.
0: Well, two guys whose YouTube channel you and I watch actually made one on a on a quad runner. <laughs> they bought the steel and welded up a uh, their own little version of it. Probably. It wouldn't that... be
1: too hard, I wouldn't think. It's no. all straight lines and
0: yeah, just take a wedge of cheese and make it out of out of a uh, sheet metal. <laughs> so. General Motors is bringing back the Hummer in 2021, it looks like, as an electric truck. <laughs> what, I mean, what do you think of this whole electrified car movement?
1: Well, I mean, it, the technology is getting there where, you know, it, it works. And, and it, you know, it, it does have a lot of power. And, and, you know, I mean, there's some good technology involved in it. Uh, My biggest problem was with, like, the— uh with that truck was, was not that it was electric powered. It was just the design of it is what my biggest problem was. Oh, that was just a
0: a butt ugly thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now I, now they, I went to that website you sent for the electric Hummer and there wasn't really a picture of the Hummer, just the grill. That's all GM
0: has shown so far.
1: I could, so who knows what that's going to look like, but yeah, I don't really have a problem with it, you know, uh, per se. I mean, it's, it'd have to be strange to drive something that makes no noise, but you know.
0: Here's the part that, that I thought was interesting. The electric truck will produce a thousand horsepower and 11,500 pound feet of torque. How much does a 600 horsepower Cummins ISX put out? Maybe 2100, 2200 pound feet of torque. Yeah. I've known one, one friend who tweaked his Cummins ISX big time to increase the torque well beyond that. And he couldn't keep a clutch in the thing. Mm. Um, So so there are issues there. Here's, here's the funny thing with that 11,500 feet. And uh, this is interesting because there's some figures in here that they did on the Tesla because it claimed to have big, huge amounts of torque that is to the tires. (laughs) So it's a bogus number. That's meaningless because the, the it's a pure math. And now this isn't the same with horsepower, but it is with torque you can multiply torque by gear ratio. So Mm -hmm. if you have his example, and then there's a really good video within the story on it, and I will link this story again into the show notes on your phone. It's worth looking at. You'll have to follow the link from that to the the YouTube video. But the guy is is mathematically explaining a one-horsepower engine, one-cylinder, one-horsepower engine, with a sprocket with, 100 teeth on it, connected to a sprocket with 10,000 teeth on it, and that would create 1,000 foot-pounds of torque. It might take two hours for that thing to go, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: 18 feet, but there are a thousand foot-pounds of torque. It's just a matter of gear reduction. So that thousand foot-pounds of torque, what's the gear ratio of the transmission? What's the rear ge- gear ratio of the rear end? Is there a low range? We don't know what the torque of the engine is. That's just a it's a useless number thrown out. That's probably close to something because Tesla threw out the same thing, but it's yeah. meaningless. The, the The horsepower is the engine. The torque is at the wheels. I mean, we don't know what that means.
1: GM's probably just doing this in case uh, Tesla challenges them like they did Ford uh, for a pulling contest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really.
1: Well, I say we get. I say we hook up about a ten team horse team from that Amish tow truck against it and see what
0: happens. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you, of, of all my two problems with the electric stuff, and I was reading, and this was an article from 2017, doing some homework today on will electric ever take off. And the problem is infrastructure. And this was a guy who bought, I believe, the Chevy, I think the Bolt is, one of them is electric and one of them is hybrid. But he bought the electric version. And to go home, put it in his garage where all he has is 110 and 120 volt wall outlet and plug it in, it takes 20 hours to charge. Mm. So you can go and maybe you're at a shopping center or something where there is a quick charger. You're not going to fill it to capacity, but you might get, you know, 75 miles in in 30 minutes. Yeah. So when they're out, not everybody has access to the free flow of that much electricity. Uh, The cost of the electricity, you get areas like California where you're only going to charge it at night because it's five times more expensive during the day. You know, you may make it work, and it may work well, and they might be cool cars, and they might be very inexpensive, but there's two problems. Problem one, what happens when you want to take your family to Yellowstone? Mm-hmm. Are you going to stop and plug it into the hotel for 20 hours every time you need to, to recharge it?
1: No, you're going to go down to Enterprise and rent a real car and drive that.
0: <laughs> exactly, and then you take a car with a range of, say, 280 miles, which is on the high side right now. And you're in Indiana or worse yet, Wisconsin or North Dakota in January, when the heat is on, that range just turned to about half because mm-hmm. creating heat with electricity is, is just crazy. And then the other problem I have with is, let's take this Hummer. That Hummer uses too much electricity. You've got to make it use less electricity. I mean, you think these people are going to be happy when everything's electric? No, now you're burning the same people who are bitching about using too much gas and using too much diesel are going to bitch about using too much electricity.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because, well, and people, and people fail to see also, everybody thinks, you know, it's uh, a cleaner, uh, in, probably in the run, it's a little cleaner, but I mean, you still have the manufacturing of this electricity somewhere going on. That's that, you know, it's not like it's, it, maybe at the car it's cleaner, but before that, before it gets to the car, you're you're generating. You know, you're having to make something.
0: Oh, the the overall carbon footprint is a disaster. Yeah, yeah. We also I did a little research and we did a podcast episode on it a while back on cobalt and mm-hmm. what's the other chemical in the batteries? There's two they need. There's cobalt. And there's one other, and I mean the the cobalt mines are um lithium lithium yeah the cobalt batteries use lithium and cobalt. Both of those are just a disastrous mining mm-hmm. process. The cobalt comes out of the Congo and is mostly handpicked by kids too young to read. It, and it's, they're literally picking the ground for it in depleted nickel and copper mines. And mm. it's, I mean, these kids are dying of cancers and little yeah. <laughs> lumps growing. It, it, it is tragic. And it, it was, well, even Elon Musk said, I have to find a way to get batteries that don't have cobalt. I, I can't go there, and yeah, it'll be private science who figures out how to do that. But I think we figured out how to burn fossil fuel pretty efficiently. Let's let's run with that for a couple of decades <laughs> and take advantage of it. But no, yeah, but yeah, that's my I, issue: is these people are never going to be satisfied.
1: Yeah, I think I mean until they get to where solar power is really super efficient and affordable, it probably it's just not going to be that feasible, really.
0: No. And, and I think some of the, some of the, um, I'm a, I'm, I have no problem believing some of what must, most people would call a conspiracy theory. And <laughs> the powers that be the Bernie Sanders and the Elizabeth Warrens and the Hillary Clintons want you to keep your ass close to home. <laughs> and that, that's part of the reason they're doing this. We'll just eliminate people's moving around. <laughs> Could I, be. I mm-hmm. did I did a little goofing around the other day. I put an article on uh, I think on my personal Facebook page about uh, the amount of people leaving California in droves.
1: Yeah. Oh and, yeah.
0: And where the if you want to rent a twenty six foot U Haul truck.
1: <laughs> I heard you talk about this on the podcast. Did you? Yeah. It's <laughs> <I> like <did. laughs> thirty seven
0: hundred bucks to Dallas and six hundred bucks going back. It's like holy
1: cow. Yeah. That's unbelievable.
0: That was just crazy.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Hey, let's go on and have some fun here. I got to go back to my notes. Yeah, this is like our last feature of the story. We came up our of the um podcast, excuse me. You know how much time I'm saving in editing this stuff. <laughs> I got last week's show done in an hour. It was it was great. It was Yeah. Um, uh guys, this is the absolute last full episode you are going to get on the trucking podcast. Uh I will the website is up for podcasting after hours, and it's there. And there is no more reason for me to put anything in the trucking podcast feed. This will be the last one.
1: So you have uh, to get a new sticker for the back of your computer. I see trucking podcast there.
0: Yeah, I bought a printer. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll print up a new one. I still haven't decided on a good logo because I would like. Uh, have you seen the site since I I just opened yeah, it up? Yeah, Friday. I went there. Yeah. So you've got the name in the middle, and I'd I'd like maybe a semi on one side. And a pickup truck on the other, just to kind of get the point across where a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll see.
1: I yeah, looks le- good, though.
0: I'm learning how to do some really cool stuff and some page building. And they make, what, page builder, what would you call them? Page builder plugins and things for websites mm-hmm. that you can use. But yeah. WordPress with Gutenberg, you can build a pretty nice page right there.
1: Yeah, I can't. I just can't get into the Gutenberg thing. I have to keep going old school with it. <laughs>
0: I just decided I'm going to do it and just, you know, embrace the suck and get used to it. WordPress, which what, about a third of the websites in the world are on WordPress format. And they changed maybe two years ago from what we call now the classic editor to this Gutenberg program. And it is night and day. Oh, yeah. It's like going from golfing to bowling. It's just not even comparable.
1: Every time I think I'm going to try it, I, I start messing with it, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to watch a hundred YouTube videos to get this down pat, and I don't have time for that. <laughs> I,
0: I just decided this is what I'm going to use, and I'm going to go for it, and you know. And then the castle curator does my editing, and uh, she's gotten used to it quicker than I have. But it once you learn it, there's some cool things there, so I'm I'm excited about that, and it'll mm-hmm. make some, it'll make a, a more fun website for you guys to see. But uh, I'm having fun keeping it very very <laughs> simple and few plugins and not having to worry yeah. about show notes on the site and uh, there's subscribe buttons on the side and that's all we need. So right, yeah. right there. Anyway, the big rolling turd segment, when we came up with that, I was just thinking crappy cars, but you know, sometimes there's cars that you're not sure about. And we all know what a Buick Grand National is from the, what year is this car we have? In, this is a Buick we're talking about.
1: 70, 79 70, when you got
0: Yeah, 79, but it is not a Grand National. But we all know what the Grand National is. It's a turbo V6. What body style would that be, a Regal?
1: Yeah, it's close to a Regal, yeah. I think they changed it up quite a bit, but yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's like a a Buick Regal Coupe, Chevy Monte Carlo body style. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, yeah.
0: I never realized the Buick LeSabre, now that's a full-size car. Yeah. Still still rear-wheel drive. And they did make some Buick LeSabre coupes, but this is a '79 Buick LeSabre Turbo Sport Coupe. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a it's a nice looking car for an '80s car, very square. But I didn't realize they put that turbo V6 from the Grand National. This yeah, is the, I,
1: I didn't either. Yeah.
0: This is the same engine too, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it, it sounded like it. I mean, I was reading it, and it sounded like it was.
0: It, you know, probably
1: a uh, little more primitive, but yeah.
0: Well, and the turbos then were so raw, but you can, those are easily, uh, modifiable with, and I've watched a few, uh, episodes on roadkill and motor trend of them taking both the Buick and, and the, uh, little turbo Ford engines and the four cylinders and just putting modern turbo, modern electronics. So you're not, uh, pre-detonating.
1: Yeah. Turn and turn them in little screamers. (laughs)
0: But I mean, this is in its present state; it would have to be considered a big rolling turd. I don't think this had 150 horsepower out of the box, did it?
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was more turned off by the the looks of the car than than the engine even.
0: <laughs> you know, it is well the the um, for those who don't know what a Lesabre looks like, it is what maybe a slightly well, coca chromed up version of a Caprice.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this car to me is like a mullet. <laughs> it's, you know, it's got like that party in the back and business in the front. And it's like, uh, it's like a, it almost has like a Malibu look in the back and then the front looks like some luxury car. <laughs> it, it
0: is in a lot of ways. It's, and I'll, I'll, I'll link to this one too. So as I'm learning how to put the links right there and, uh, you and I both use anchor for our podcast hosts. And, uh, I'm sure yeah. those of you, uh, the few of you who have podcasts or are listening to this. Oh, you two really, really did something stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's working out pretty good.
0: That it is. That it is, and the cost is really affordable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: <right>. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man, you well, you actually uh, have somebody sponsoring your show now and then from Anchor, don't
1: you? Yeah, they they made me a sponsor for them uh, at Anchor. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So guys, move over and subscribe to my show. There, we never know what'll happen. I think that's cool. <laughs> But I don't know. I think this thing—if you stuck another, probably fifteen hundred bucks—if you can find one of these and stick another fifteen hundred bucks into modifying that turbo, I think you'd have a kick-ass car. It's always going to be heavy. It's a full-size car.
1: I was kind of impressed by the fact that being a 1979, that it had four-wheel disc brakes. That's uh, kind of rare for a '79.
0: You know that is because then yeah. everything was maybe undersized a bit, but disc brakes on the front by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was I was reading something on um, Cadillac and all of their 500 horse or their 500 cubic inch big V8 engines.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Cadillacs had to be quiet, so almost all of those 500 cubic inch engines that were put out in the 60s and 70s, single exhaust, every last yeah. one of them, because they didn't yeah. want the noise of dual exhaust.
1: Those were good motors. They had, they had the I think it was a 455. They had also that was a really good motor.
0: Oh geez, yeah. Well, and I guess the difference between the um, 650 pounds of weight they shaved off of this car from 78 so that's that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. but still turbos just didn't have as much torque back then yeah and this is a large car even losing the 650 pounds that's a heavy car i just i don't know i like that body style kind of grows there's a picture (laughs) of the interior in here and and they have bucket seats in the center console and, yeah,
1: I guess it's just the, it's the very front that I don't like. I like the whole car except for, you know, the the front end. I just don't, I don't like the front end of it much, but yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I've drove worse for sure. I'm driving worse now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving a 91 Chevy pickup truck. I mean, you know. Hey, hey
0: you can never go wrong with a Chevy <laughs> pickup truck. No doubt about it. I'll link in the show notes and I'll let you guys decide whether that one is a big rolling turd or whether it's something you'd love to have. I think it's one of those cars you could easily spend twenty thousand dollars getting yourself a nice ten thousand dollar car. You'd have to be real careful
1: with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm finding parts for that uh, that turbo it might be might be real rough. I don't know.
0: I think you'd have to find parts for the block and and just yeah, modern, yeah. Put, a, put a modern turbo on it and
1: switch it over. Yeah, yeah,
0: switch everything over the modern electronics and uh, it it can be done. I watched an episode of. Uh, Oh, well, there's you know I, I subscribe to the Motor Trend channel. It's, it's, I always say it's the best five bucks a month I spend, and they had an old um, Plymouth Duster. They bought it for like fifteen hundred bucks. It's old three eighteen in it and Torque Flight in it. Well, they they chucked the That's engine, much. they chucked the tranny, and their goal was out of a nice five thousand dollar car when they were done. And well, by the time they were done with the Hemi and the new <laughs> Torque Flight with the shift kit and they still just welded up the rear end on it rather than, you know, it's a little seven and a quarter inch rear end. It's going to toast no matter what they do. But by the time they're done, they had a $10,000 car that's probably worth 3500
1: Yeah, Plymouth Duster was my first car. At a 72 Plymouth Duster.
0: <laughs> I had a 70, but, but, 73, Slant 6? I had it.
1: Yeah, Slant 6 in mine, yeah, Slant 6. Yeah, I
0: had a 318 and a 4-speed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mom's automatic slant six. I mean, oh. it was it was horrible, but you know, my dad had a body shop, so he made it look really good.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, mine only had maybe eighteen, twenty thousand miles on it, but I bought it for like twenty four hundred bucks. Those weren't expensive cars, new. Those dusters were cheap cars.
1: Yeah, mine was uh, mine was old, and because uh, in seventy two, was uh, what year did I get my? Uh, I was 16, so I don't, I don't know how old it was. I mean, I don't know what year it was, but yeah, it, it, uh, it was it been '88. And uh, I think we bought that car for $100 <laughs> or 125 or something like that. You know, I go
0: back and think, and no, mine was newer. It was like because we bought that in '79. I think it was a '78, but it was a fun. I had a blast in that mm-hmm. car, put side pipes on it and had a ball with it. Yeah. You know, those old Plymouth front ends, you'd have to take them in and realign them, but you had those torsion, uh, Bars on the front that you could just Mm -hmm. go put four turns on each side and lift the front end up about an inch and get a little ground clearance. Yeah, yeah. Throw some shackles in the back and get an inch there and put some meats under it.
1: (laughs) Don't hit no chuck holes though because it throw you out of the seat. But yeah, other than that, yeah.
0: Yeah, No, we we had a lot of fun with that car. I sold it to a very good friend of mine at the time. I don't know what he did with it, but uh, it had a good life.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're fun little cars.
0: Well, Harold, you and I are both up early in the morning, are we not?
1: Yep, yep. Uh, back at the old grind tomorrow. What Got a you- six day week is next week. Oh,
0: six day. I haven't worked a six day week.
1: <laughs> well, I haven't done one for a while, but yeah, the guy's working next Saturday. So.
0: I somebody put on Facebook. Oh, I have a four-day week this weekend, and I thought I get those every week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, it must be nice. I it's haven't five for me.
0: <laughs> I haven't worked a five-day week since uh, 2011.
1: Oh man.
0: Oh man, it, it it's been good. It's been a good run.
1: Yeah, you, you're on the alternate. You're different days off every week, though, right? I'm
0: I'm four on, four off. So it's, okay, it's an eight-day yeah. week, and it's I I lose what track that you know we. Just hard to remember what day of the week it is.
1: Yeah, I I don't even try to call you anymore because I never know when your days off are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just give you a call and then sometimes... Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, the last couple of weeks I've just been really laser focused on... As soon as that site's up, I can stop even messing with the trucking podcast seed, put everything under trucking after hours and just let that site all update it because it's it's still, you know, it's got ads and it's generating some some income and I'm going to keep it there. But, uh,
1: the future is looking great. I, I, I think you're doing the right move there. It looks really good. I think you got some, uh, some good things happening there.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm having a little better choice when I'm taking show notes out of the equation. I can write stuff that people actually want to read. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes it fun.
1: Oh yeah. Well have fun with it because, uh, yeah, don't be doing it if you don't like it.
0: <laughs> oh no, no. I I'm want to, I'd want to keep it where it's not so much work and there's reward to what I'm doing.
1: Mm -hmm. I love, I
0: love doing the podcast and Harold, I don't mind editing. I have fun editing. I just don't have time.
1: Right. Yeah. That's how I feel about it too. It's like, you just, you you know, you run out of time. You just, you got to do what you got to do as quick as you can.
0: Yeah. So this is the way it's going to be. All is right with the world. Trucking after hours at gmail.com. Haroldthornborough.com is where you find Harold that. And that's just simple yeah B R O (laughs) Thornborough. yeah check it out he writes some cool stuff so uh if, if you're into a uh, little bit of modern homesteading and uh some of the other things and he's got some great stuff on faith and i think you guys would like what you see so uh, thanks for helping me out here Harold.
1: oh no thanks for having me on it's fun
0: Welcome to Trucking After Hours. How about for the week of February 3rd, 2020?
1: Oh, what a day, Buck. What a day.
0: We're doing something different tonight. We've got some cool stuff going on, though. I, I think we do. Kind of an interesting twist on numbers from General Motors and their new Hummer. I did a little research on that. Uh Five reasons not to fuel your tank and probably a gazillion shiny objects. And uh, the castle curator's upstairs watching. I guess there's a football game of some kind on tonight. Yeah. That's what I was hearing.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. The Packers aren't playing. I don't care. And even when they do play, I don't care that much. (laughs) Uh, So Don's watching the game in Rice Lake and castle curator's upstairs. Harold was kind enough to uh, jump in and, and join us today and, We've talked to Harold before. Harold is a uh, a, a true friend, and someone that I'm going to meet one of these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of these days, maybe.
0: <laughs> you know, it was funny the week after that. We're talking about uh, that episode with with Don and, and Chris, and she says, "You've never met Harold." Said, "No, we haven't. We've known each other for all these years."
1: Just, just like this, that's about it.
0: <laughs> it's just hilarious. But uh, Harold, real quick, what's your uh, website and podcast?
1: Uh, dot com. The, the podcast is the Modern Homesteading Podcast.
0: It's a Modern Homesteading Podcast, and yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Harold's been at it a long time, and I would kill to have a voice like his. Uh, so obviously you can get a hold of Harold at what, Modern Homesteading?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you can listen to the podcast there. Like I said, just Harold com. just uh, everything, I'm putting everything there now, so...
0: You kind of did the same thing I did, just decided to start all over and fresh start. Yeah,
1: fresh start. Yeah, I had the small, I mean, smalltownhomestead.com will still take you there. But uh, yeah, I just uh, use my name for the podcast. That way, no matter what I want to do, it fits pretty much anything.
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny because when I decided to jump ship and start over, one of the issues was going through all of my Google stuff, and there's like 735 technical errors. So as I'm setting up the new site, I'm really, really, careful about everything i do what plugins i'm going to use um i check the plugin with my theme i check it with my web hosting account and make sure it's compatible with both and one of those of course if if you do any wordpress stuff at all there's a, a plugin called yoast and it's it sets you up to help you keep you in line with google and there's like five courses on and they're free but really good youtube videos on how to set yoast up And I'll bet I watched four hours of those things because there's differences between how they do things. One of the guys, and he was the one I followed, one of the things he said early on, and it explained half of my technical errors. As he's going through, he says, there's three or four things you can only turn on or set once. And if you ever go back and change these, you just created hundreds of technical errors.
2: Oh, wow. Uh,
0: One of them is breadcrumbs. If you turn them off, you just screwed up your seo and oh. some some other little things like that that uh, once you set them leave them alone
1: <laughs> yeah i never used yoast i used the other one the all-in-one seo or whatever that's the one i always used and i didn't really have any trouble with it oh,
0: i really debated and then google has a, a new plugin what do they call it site site something for uh mm-hmm. connecting everything and i will be installing that this week but enough of the technical mumble <laughs> jumble we do have some uh oh, oh by the way I set up my email address really super simple. Trucking after hours at gmail.com, End of story.
1: Which sounds is, like that would work. <laughs>
0: yeah, which is funny because when I get an email and you get a gazillion of these, hey, we'd like to help you with this or that or this or that or this or that, and and if they have a Gmail address, I just automatically delete delete them. So you're just a little guy, and now it's like, okay, I'm a little guy. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Tonight we have, uh, let's see, Amish tow truck, reasons not to fill up, uh, something about a food conference, a rogue food concert, conference, I want to hear about that, this electric Hummer and, uh, did you look at the big rolling turd I uh, put in the list? I did, yeah, I did. We'll, we'll get Check. to that shortly. Let's uh, kind of go in a goofy little order here just because, well, we'll start from the beginning. The Amish tow truck. I put a picture on Facebook. You, you've delivered to the, you're in, you, well, this stupid question. You're in Indiana. You've, you've met people. Yeah, many we got, them, we got them
1: everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this was actually in Missouri and you know, I delivered livestock to a lot of Amish people. When they're building a new barn or something next to a home or a new home or whatever the case, they're very, and I hate to use the word proud because they try not to be proud people, but they're very proud of what they've built and, and their hard work. And they like it when people appreciate what they've done. So I'm delivering calves to, it's a customer who's always bought calves from us. And now his son is married and he and his new bride have a home and they've built a barn and they're going to put some calves in that barn. So dad's having the son and his wife um, feed, uh, I think they had room for like 120 calves in there. Mm -hmm. So it's the first time we're filling it and it is full of snow. The driveway has been cleared, so I go in, and, and the sun comes out, and he's kind of giving me the tour of where everything goes, and here's the barn, and I've got this clear path on this driveway going into the barn, and then um, how the driveway loops from there. Uh, now, this part isn't really plowed that much, but and it's been snowing a lot, but it, it's fairly clear. I shouldn't have a problem. I got four-wheel drive, and then it goes from um, in front of the door out another driveway, I forget the conversation. We go in and back the the trailer in, unload the calves. And when I'm done unloading the calves, I pull where he says that driveway should be under the (laughs) snow. Well, what I either, he didn't tell me or I didn't listen. They hadn't filled in the ditch yet with a culvert and and dirt and gravel over it so I could drive over the ditch. So next thing I know, me and a uh, 32-foot double-deck livestock trailer, you know, butt sunk into that ditch. and Oh, boy. And it's... Yeah, I've got about 15 minutes. I'm going to mess with this, and then I'm calling a tow truck. It, it isn't the end of the world. The boss won't say a word. I'll put it on the credit card, give him the receipt, and that'll be the end of the story. And he says, oh, no, no, no. Let me go get a team. And off he goes and and grabs uh, two horses on a harness. And, yeah, they pulled a Dually duramax with that trailer on. The trailer was empty, but uh, they got it yeah. out of the ditch pretty well. <laughs>
1: that's, that's impressive, actually, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so have you had an encounter or two like that or?
1: No. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the videos. I've seen Facebook videos of that happening. You know, uh, I actually, there was a video floating around a few years ago of a, of a team of, of large horses pulling a semi and a tanker with a tanker on it out of a ditch. I don't know if you've seen that a few I, years ago.
0: I think I have. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's
1: pretty impressive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're uh they're an innovative group of people. And one of the things that was cool is, you pen calves. So each calf has its own little pen. I mean, how big would you say a calf pen is dimensionally wise? Maybe three by six?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the calf. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and these are these are baby calves. And when they get yeah. bigger, then they go out to a field. But they spend their first several weeks in, in, in a smaller pen inside where they're more temperature controlled and easier to feed. So rather than, um, you know, have a door on every pen and everything, they make these pens out of hog panels. And if you do, describe a hog panel.
1: Well, I mean, it, uh, are you talking about the kind that's just like the, uh, um, I mean, it's just uh, like the, it's a little smaller than rebar size a wire and it's just in the squares. Just, yeah. Four, four by four squares.
0: Four by four, four by eight, or four by 16, or whatever size you get. Uh, we hauled mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff out of Iowa iron and steel and back in the day on flatbeds. So they take these hog panels and they wire together. One continuous block of, say, six pens wide, back to back. So you have a, a row in the front and then you walk around and you have a row in the back facing the other way. So you have two by six. So you have 12 pens in each section. So they would be what, maybe 12 feet wide because they're six, six feet each and then, uh, three feet times six. So, mm-hmm. and they have them on like a boat winch to the ceiling. So they bed, de- they put the bedding in the pens, and then they crank the pens up maybe two and a half feet, just enough to kind of shove the calves in under them, and they won't come back out. <laughs> and then they lower them back down on the calves.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. way of doing it.
0: And then when it's time to clean, they just crank the whole thing up to the ceiling and clean the floor. It's like, wow, how simple.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's different. I've never seen that before.
0: But uh, yeah, that was the that was the story I wanted to put on. I put that on Facebook and said I'd tell the story behind that. But that was probably, oh my gosh, five or six years ago. I've, I've been at my I bet, job almost four.
1: Yeah, I bet that happens a lot. I, I bet they. I bet they do that a lot, though. Uh, pull the, the the Amish tow truck <laughs> set up. I bet they. I bet that happens a lot for folks.
0: I know they do. I've I've used. I've had them. Uh, couple of times well there was one other place we just knew going in there i was not going to get out on my own power and that was the plan once the calves mm. were out they'd help me get turned around with with the uh, horses and out we'd go yeah and you know the horses are used to it it amazes me you know i can't get traction but you know they can hoof it into the ground and get a grip
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i found your next uh uh topic here kind of interesting the five reasons not to fill up you have an interesting story there at the end i had never heard of that so we get to that i was yeah, i thought that was uh interesting
0: you, you know that was and we've all i think everybody has been there with um some of the rumors and, and different things on why you know where you buy fuel and why and, and different things mm-hmm. but the premise of the and I wrote an article on this and it is published so I will link to it in in the show notes right there on wherever you're listening to the uh podcast it'll be in the notes on your phone you can click right to it and and the question is how much does a gallon of diesel fuel weigh mm-hmm. and the answer has to be about because of uh, several reasons but there are some pretty good reasons not to fill up and I'm sure the first one on the list so you don't get an overweight ticket you've been in that Physician many a time, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last week. <laughs> yeah, I had to take a trip over to Columbus, Ohio, coming back, and I was right on the line of being overweight. So I was pretty full on fuel, too. So I just went around the scale because I didn't even take any chances.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, be safe.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: Oh, man. Gonna,
1: if I'm going to get pulled over. They're going to chase me down to do it. I'm going to take it to them. Yeah.
0: Huh? <laughs> Well, and I can remember being over the road coming back with uh, lumber or something from Portland or Seattle. We'd usually find something in Seattle heading down into Oregon and then out of the, uh, say, Roseburg area, Roseburg Lumber, actually, and then pull that back into the Twin Cities. And, yeah, they'd load you up to the hilt and you went in with, you know, a quarter of a tank. So Mm -hmm. you you Mm -hmm. end up stopping every— 450 miles, and, well, where's the next scale? (laughs) And, okay, I can put in 60 gallons, five miles to the gallon to that scale, and, you know.
1: I've played those games, absolutely, yeah.
0: What a pain in the butt. What's my my second reason on there?
1: Uh, I got here, I'm sitting here kicking it up. Price, pump price minus fuel tax.
0: Do you want to explain how that one works? Because I think most people miss that.
1: No, I'll let you do it. I, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about there. I mean, you, uh, well, you know, I are mean, you talking about different states and I, the, t- the fuel tax in different states.
0: I'm talking about how IFTA is paid, and, and that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, most people don't understand that. If if I filled my tanks, if okay, if I have a and we have a lot of Peterbilt's around and Kenworths and bigger trucks with with 300 gallon tanks, so you have 270 usable. So 270 usable gallons, let's say you use 250 of them to keep it easy, and you get six miles to the gallon, so that's, what, 1,500 miles. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So you travel 1,500 miles and you go through eight states on that 250 gallons of gas or of diesel that you bought in Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin doesn't keep all of that fuel tax. Through IFTA, the amount of money you paid on that tank of fuel – is added and subtracted to each state you went through based on Mm -hmm. your average mileage on your IFTA report. So everybody gets a cut of the action. Right. At the end of the quarter, you might owe them a little bit of money or you might get a little bit of money back. The the two biggest rumors you'll hear is, well, just buy a little bit of fuel in every state and it'll work out. (laughs) Well, that could be a waste of money. Or the other one is just buy as much fuel as you can in the state with the highest tax. That way you'll get money back. Mm -hmm. And, That's that's not taking into account, but if you – and I'll put a link in the article. i already publish the article, but I'll go back and put a link in it. If you find the fuel tax for that state, the diesel fuel tax, the federal tax, or the state tax on that fuel, subtract it from the pump price. That gives you the two price of the fuel in that state.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So you might find a lower price, but it's just because the state has a low fuel tax, and it's actually a higher pump price.
1: When I I had my trucks leaked on with a company at one point, and uh, this company paid all of our fuel taxes, and uh, they never had any stipulation on where we would buy fuel. So, Indiana, you don't pay as much at the pump, say, as you do in Ohio. Well, so almost nobody would get their fuel in Ohio just because of the higher uh, a tax rate. So we do all get it in Indiana. Well, after a while, they put it into that because they were like, hey, we're paying all these taxes, you know, because it was, it were, we weren't paying them at the pump. So we were getting a big break and they oh, figured yeah. it out after a while.
0: Well, I, I remember and I don't know what changed in Indiana's taxes. And this had to be back over 10 years ago. But uh, for forever, it was the last thing you do when you come out of Gary is, is fill both tanks as full as you can get them and come home. Mm hmm. And something changed in their fuel, but they used to be much lower, both pump price and fuel tax. Yeah. We'll get back to Gary in reason number five. And then something changed in how Indiana's fuel tax was, and they lost that competitive advantage.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I think they did raise it all for because it, 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 I think they put a kind of a road tax on it now, too. So, yeah, it went up.
0: Yeah, so it's not the advantage it was. And, in fact, last time I was over the road for the company I worked for— he said, "Just buy as much as of your fuel as you can in Oak Creek," and I always stopped at the Loves in Oak Creek because it just worked close to home. Get a shower, come home looking clean, and yeah, you know, going out, I'd fuel up at that one too because I could walk over to Starbucks and use their free Wi-Fi, and and uh, that, that worked out well. But third one, Winter Blend. Mm-hmm. Fueling up in what happens if you? Okay, it's February. It's zero in Green Bay and you just fueled up in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. What's going to happen when you get to Green Bay?
1: Yeah, they, they, they probably didn't put as much uh, uh, additive into that fuel down in Louisville, so you might you might gel up.
0: <laughs> Th- that is an issue. If you're going from warm to yeah. cold, you might want to watch mm-hmm. that you're buying your fuel in the colder climate. Yeah. You get into yeah. the Dakotas and you have a real problem. What I don't know is back in the day when you had diesel number one and diesel number two, those winter additives would actually lower your fuel economy a little bit mhm and i don't think they're they're not well we don't have number 1 and number 2 anymore they use kerosene for the most part as the additive for the fuel so the the discrepancy in economy is not as big as it is but it, you do still get slightly mm-hmm. lower mileage with winter blend yeah. fuel i i just don't think there's any way to get around that
1: no and i you know i mean i don't think like, Indiana does a pretty good job of putting it in their fuel, the additives in their fuel. So, I mean, we've, I've never had one gel up uh, for years. I mean, it's been 20 years since I had a truck gel up, and I don't really add anything.
0: Well, and, you know, these newer trucks with the high-pressure fuel uh, fuel mm-hmm. fuel rails, 90% of the fuel that goes to the engine comes back to those tanks.
1: Yeah, it's a circulation, yeah.
0: and And one of the things that—and this is where warming up a little bit helps— if you shut your truck off and it's 10 degrees, it's zero degrees and you had your bunk heater on all night and your fuel is going to fire the truck up, but it's going to go, it's going to pump slow. And that's ice cold fuel in your tank until you
1: let mm-hmm. it cycle
0: through a bit. So it, it's there in the cold. I know I worked for Halver for just three or four months. And then the livestock company called me and wanted me to come back. And I did, you know, and I stayed there almost five years the second time. They knew a lot of their drivers lived at least 30 minutes away. I was 90 miles. I was 99 miles away from their terminal. And mm-hmm. what they wanted you to do when you were going to leave is call them an hour before they get to before you get to the yard, and they'll go start your truck and let it sit out there and idle so your fuel is warm when you get there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they don't want you broke down. You got you got loads to run, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the other thing, and this I never thought of this. Because most of the companies I worked for, I worked for the one in Bloomer for you know nearly ten years. They were real big on when you get back to the terminal Friday night, fill your truck up. Mm-hmm. And Halver was no, don't fill your truck up because it'll take longer for that fuel to heat. Fill really? Your, yeah, fill your truck up in the morning before you leave.
2: Yeah. But hmm. Hal
0: Halver had like six six sets of pump islands there and. Yeah. You always had a single pump. It was very slow, and you had 300 usable gallons. Nobody wanted to sit there. They got tired of us going to Black River Falls and buying flying J fuel.
1: Yeah, when I was driving, and recently I came out of driving a CNG truck. I was driving a CNG truck for like three years, and uh, there wasn't a lot of good things about driving that that truck, but— I never had to worry about fuel gelling up or cold, you know, a truck not starting or anything like that due to the cold fuel. So, that was nice. (laughs) You know,
0: it's funny. We've replaced a lot of the CNG trucks with, um, you know, new diesel trucks. Mm -hmm. Diesel trucks when – I mean, Green Bay is not a big city. So, when you're just doing drop and hooks all over Green Bay, those guys are rejetting all the time. What a
1: pain. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're facing a lot of that, too. Yeah.
0: Okay. You can tell us about number four, matching the logbooks. You've been there.
1: I, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, these days I don't because e-logs have eliminated that problem a lot, believe it or not. They, they really made it so we don't have to really. It's, not, it's hard to get around anyway anymore.
0: You know, it really is. And, and when I first started, now I'm going beyond the statute of limitations here, so I'll, I'll, I, <laughs> I can say that. But, uh, I mean, when I first started driving, all we had to match was the date. Mm. But I can remember setting my alarm for uh, midnight, getting up and, you know, fueling up at 1215 and putting it in the wind.
1: <laughs> there there was a, the first 10 years of my trucking uh, life, uh, logbooks meant almost nothing to me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had so many logbook violations for so many things. Because back then it just, honestly, it, did, it never seemed like that big of a deal. I mean, the, the fines were so low. I mean, it was like. Uh, 75 bucks, 25 bucks, things like that. They would hit you for nothing went on your license. Yeah. Nowadays, you just can't play games with the though, because they've changed all the rules. You know, and
0: even if you have one of the older trucks and you can run paper logs, man, you got to be so careful.
1: Yeah. They're, they're really kind of barreled down on that stuff and they just don't let you get away with things like you used to. And, and the fines are a lot steeper and it, it, it ends up on your license.
0: It shows up on your CSA score, correct? Yeah, yeah. that's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. You just don't play those games anymore, really, if you want to stay in the business anyway.
0: But I can remember filling up on the West Coast and, you know, <laughs> how far can I go? Yeah, I, I. And the cool <laughs> thing was, you know, maybe I was out of hours at, uh, Whiskey Pete's. You ever been out there in California?
2: No, no. Uh, yeah.
0: You, you'd come up, uh over Donner and into Nevada and it was whiskey pizza, casino and everything and a big truck stop. So you might be able to stop there if you want your 34 there, but you just filled your tanks. I'd rather get closer to home. So even though you're out of hours, you got enough fuel to make it to uh, maybe rapid city and sit there for 34 hours and, Top it off there and off you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember when you used to get pulled over by the DOT. I mean, they'd ask you for a couple things. They'd ask you a logbook and they'd ask you for your fuel receipts too. And they'd look for those times on there and match it all up. I, I can't even remember the last time I was asked for a fuel receipt. I don't get them anymore oh, anyway. We don't even get our fuel receipts.
0: No. And and I was pretty good at that stuff. Now, hauling RVs, there was a the cheapest place for us to buy fuel in North Dakota. You could just ask them for a paper receipt. Mm-hmm. And you they'd even leave the date on it if you asked them. <laughs> <laughs> cuz we had to match our receipts well here you right. go date match yeah. no problem but yeah that that was always a bit of an issue